Your Partner in Success Radio is a free business podcast with host Denise Griffiths. It's all about great stories, conversation, and context to help you move your business and life forward with actionable tips and advice from her guest experts. To listen and subscribe, just find us on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you consume your podcasts. Good morning and welcome to your Partner in Success Radio. I'm your host, Denise Griffiths, and this podcast is ranked in the top 2.5% of the most popular podcasts globally. And honestly, it's all because of my truly incredible guests. They join me every Monday and every Friday, and they are here to share time and energy to get you to where you want to be in life and in business. These are not people who hold back. Their goal is to share with you the essence of peak performance. My guest today, Justin Breen, is here to share how to build collaborative global companies, love that word, while putting your loved ones first. Now, Justin is the CEO of the global PR firm Brepic, B-R-E-P-I-C, communications and global connectivity platform Brepic <laughs> Network. He is also the author of the Wall Street Journal and USA Today bestseller, Epic Life, which share, features a foreword from Peter, and I'm not sure I'm going to pronounce this correctly, Diamandis? How do you say that, Justice? Diamandis. Diamandis, okay. And the number one international best-selling, best-selling book, Epic Business. He is an extremely active member of Strategic Coach 10 Times, 10X, and Abundance 360 Summit, and he has an incredible global network of visionaries and exceptional businesses. Now, Justin says, the purpose of my life is to be a connecting superhero for every visionary, abundance, investment mindset entrepreneur, and share their stories with the world. And I find the best stories when I network with super high-level entrepreneurs who are visionaries that understand the value of investing in themselves and their businesses. Justin, welcome to your partner in Success Radio. It's good to have you here. Thank you so much. That was a wonderful intro. Really appreciate it. Well, when I wasn't stumbling over my own tongue, I was doing great. <laughs> but there you go. You Entrepreneur life. <laughs> you're reading something and you hit that one word of that one name and it just throws you for a few seconds. Happens to me every single time. So before we we get started, tell me a bit about you. Well, I'm very honored to be here today um, and... You know, I'm a a dad who happens to be an entrepreneur, um, not an entrepreneur who happens to be a dad. It's a fundamental difference and blessed to have an amazing wife, uh, Sarah, who's a pediatrician, and our sons, Jake and Chase, are 10 and 8, and they're just awesome kids. They have her warmth, empathy, rules, order, all that kind of stuff, and then they have my go for it, no-nonsense attitude as well, so very blessed to have a wonderful family and then uh, two global companies that partner with the top entrepreneurs on the planet or those that will make the investment to become a top entrepreneur on the planet. And I love the way you put that, you know, entrepreneurship is being an entrepreneur is who you are, but it's not mm-hmm. necessarily what you are or am I, do I have that reversed? But being a parent, being a husband, being a family member is from the sounds of it, clearly the most important part of your life and being an entrepreneur is what gives you the life that you want and shares with other people. I love that. Um, That's great simplification. And it's really about a collaboration. I guess the popular term is work-life balance. I really never understood that. Um, One, because, you know, as a journalist, that was never really work for me. And then as an entrepreneur over the last five plus years, it's not work. I mean, it's really fulfilling the purpose of my life. Um, and then, as you said brilliantly, uh, it really allows me to spend time with my family. I mean, which is most important. But it's, uh, you know, it's chicken versus egg in a good way, meaning like because my priority is putting family first, that creates incredible focus on serving the folks, top visionaries, top entrepreneurs on the planet that I really want to spend my time with because not only is that the purpose of my life, but they allow me to spend time with my family. Exactly. And listen, I'm with you. You know, I've heard about work-life balance forever. I never bought into it <laughs> because we are who we are. 
How can yeah. you separate the two things? I mean, your personal experiences and your personal wisdom and brilliance is what brings you to the table. How can you possibly separate that? Well, I mean, that's what society does. Um, you know, it's it's the same thing with, well, it's your mind and body. Well, uh, last I heard, the brain is part of your body, but people want to separate it. And, um, you know, they talk about mindset being a separate thing than, you know, health and, and body health, but it's not. I mean, it's the same. It's part of your body. Um, in fact, it controls the body. So it's really, it's the same thing with family and loved ones and purpose of life and collaborative global companies. I mean, it's literally the same thing. I've been listening to um, Ernest Holmes, and, you know, he talks a lot about the difference mm. between mind and body and mindset. And I was listening to him this morning when I was getting ready for this for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And basically, and what my takeaway was, if your brain, your brain is part of your body, it's not separate. <laughs> No, so if you well, don't have not. a brain, you've got nothing. <laughs> and when your body's gone, your brain is gone with it. I don't. Well, that makes perfect sense, doesn't it? I mean, you can't separate these things. It's a logical thing, yet most folks separate it. Um, and for whatever it's worth, I think it it starts with, um, you know, most of my days talking to the world's top entrepreneurs. So not not business owners, not consultants, you know not employees, top entrepreneurs on the planet, and then spending time, spending time with my family. And um, really where this starts is, is for the most part, regular education is, it's the opposite of entrepreneurship. It's competition instead of collaboration. It's siloing. It's separating things. It's separating things into different subject matters as opposed to like, oh, here, it's all collaborative. And I think that's where it starts. So you're taught from you know, pretty much day one of public education of, of how things work in the, I guess, normal, regular human world. And then entrepreneurship uh, is definitely the opposite of that in many aspects. Yeah, that never worked for me. I hated school. I really hated it. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't mean that well-educated, but I am self-educated right. because I read voraciously, as you know. Right. And I will read, I mean, I'll read the back of a cereal box if that's all that's handy. I will read <laughs> something. But school, I, you know, I kept asking them, what are you going to teach me that's logical? What are you going to teach me mm. that I can use in the real world? And I didn't know anything about entrepreneurship at the time. I must have known at some level that mm-hmm. that's what I was going to grow up to be. But it, it's it's fascinating. And some people are perfectly for what they're doing and other people are it's like we were put here on this earth to be entrepreneurs and to collaborate that's a very important thing that you're saying we'll talk about that and to network and to help other people be servant leaders if you will yeah it's just it and i find that the more people give and the more people are really willing to step up and help other people whether it's you know with a donation whether it's with you you know you're you're helping people with your knowledge, it just makes the world a better place all around. Well, thanks for saying that. I agree with you. And what my brain does, um, I don't know why it does this, but it takes all this complexity and turns it into patterns. Um, I don't know why it does that, but that's just what it does. So talk to top entrepreneurs on the planet, you know, five to 10 times a day, Monday through Friday, and then simplify all these things into, you know, actionable ideas. So here, here's an example of that. And it's, it is what you talked about, but I saw a pattern of this. So when you start a business, I think there's four, there's four stages that I see four stages. And this really dovetails into our entire conversation so far. So when you start, it's pure get to get. So that's totally fine for first company. I reached out to 5,000 people to find first five clients. Okay. That's, that's fine. If you want to stay in the 0.1% client acquisition uh, percentage, go for it. Stay and get to get your whole life. So then that's the first stage. A lot of folks stay there forever, really. Okay, so then there's get to give. So you're mostly getting, you're giving a little bit, but you're mostly getting. Definitely most business owners, people stay at that. Then there's the third stage where it's give to get. So you're mostly giving, but you're still trying to get a little bit back. You're still trying to get. And 99.9% of the world never gets past that stage then you get to the fourth stage 
um, which is what a top entrepreneur, top visionary is at. And this is what I've seen. This is where I'm at. This is where the people I'm, uh, you know, I talk to them at, and it's give to give, but only to the people who get it. Give to give, but only to the people who get it. Because if you get it, then there's, you just constantly give to that person, whether or not you get something in return. However, if someone doesn't get it, giving to them won't, they won't get it anyway. So it's pointless. And then someone who's a giver to someone who doesn't get it, um, that damages your relationship with the person who gives to gives to the person who does get it. So that's, those are the four stages that I've seen. Maybe there is a fifth stage. I haven't seen it yet. Um, but I think it's important. I think it's important noting that give to give to only to, but only to the people who get it. It's a fundamental thing that I've seen with the top entrepreneurs on the planet. And see, I hadn't read it that way or heard it that way, but when you said it, my brain just went, well, yeah. Of course that works. Well, that's what my brain does. Yeah, it turns all this complexity yeah. into a logical thing. There you go. There you go. Right. And now that you've broken it down, it's not all that complex. It really isn't. I mean, because you've Good seen point. it, you act on it, and you just laid it out beautifully, and I got it instantly. And, you know, I'm a marketer. I'm a web developer. I have a social media, you know, digital agency. And I'm constantly telling people – and. I'm going to say, I, listen where I learned this from. I'm constantly telling people you can't keep scattering stuff around and hoping somebody's going to pick it up. If they don't <laughs> like you, if they're not going to pay attention to you, leave them alone. Go somewhere else. And that may be a little simple, but that's how I view it. Well, I mean, I agreed. I mean, the purpose of my life is to be a connecting superhero for every visionary, abundance, investment, mindset, entrepreneur, not business owner, not consultant, entrepreneur, fundamental difference, and share their stories with the world, the, not their, fundamental, fundamental difference. Uh, and quantifying it without quantifying it, um, visionaries who live in abundance and who look at things as investments, not cost, that's maybe 0.1% of the population globally. Most folks because they live in scarcity, again, taught from higher education uh, and education as a whole, um, they think that's a small number, 0.1%. I go, no, no, you don't, you don't understand. You don't live in abundance. So 0.1%, let's say there's 8 billion people on the planet, that's 8 million people. So <laughs> 8 million, that's a lot. And the 8 million are the ones that actually create everything that, that benefit everyone else. So by serving those folks, uh, one, I get to spend time with my family as much as I want to, which is most important. And then two, those are the ones that help everyone else. So that's how, through the purpose of my life, I actually help change the world by helping those people who are also changing the world. Right. Now, I have to back up a little bit and ask you, how did you get here? I mean, you, you were a journalist, <laughs> you said. And then you started working with extremely wealthy people, extremely well-known people for some part. Some are not. They don't want to be known. Mm, How did you point. get there? What's your story? Well, like you said, um, you know, people like us uh, are usually aliens. Well, you didn't say this, but my brain turns it into a pattern. But people I like say us that usually, all the time. Yeah, <laughs> you're, you're usually, poking around in my head. I'm convinced yeah, I'm part alien at least. <laughs> yeah, we're usually aliens within our own family, community, and verticals. Nobody understands us except top entrepreneurs on planet. So first 40 years of my life, uh, you know, uh, didn't understand what people were complaining about, uh, why people were asking, what do you cost or charge instead of what is an investment with you look like, why people were living in scarcity. Um, and then for first 20 years of professional career, I was an entrepreneur who happened to be a journalist, uh, not a journalist who's a journalist. I just didn't know that until job salary was cut in half in 2017, uh, couldn't find a job. And with zero business background, I still don't know what an S-Corp is because I think it's funny. I'm actively learning, trying to not learn what an S-Corp is because I think it's funny. But uh, so I reached out to those 5,000 people to find first five clients um, over six weeks while I was working full time at half the salary. Uh, most people can't do that because they're not meant to be top entrepreneurs. Um, and then got fifth client, resigned the next day, and then uh, the top media columnist in the Midwest at the time, Robert Feeder, did a story. I'd started my own firm. So that was just to get first companies started. And then an entrepreneur who happens to be a journalist, never understood negative news, never understood if it bleeds, it leads, 
don't understand political, like I don't understand any of that. And so as a journalist wrote about uh, cool people changing the world and now uh, running a global PR firm and a global connectivity platform, connecting and writing about um, and publicizing cool people changing the world. There's really no, there's no difference other than the, the ways that it's executed. And I'm gathering, or I'm guessing, that you had access to a lot of these top entrepreneurs because you had either written about them or interviewed them, or mm, you, know, you already had some networking going on. Because so I don't think you came out of this point. just out of left field. Well, that, that's a really smart observation. And here's how you're correct, and here's how it changed since then. So, because people, you, you're, you're, um, the way you followed that was in my opinion, much smarter than how most folks usually follow what I just said. So most folks, they're like, well, how did you, how did you reach out to 5,000 people? How'd you do that? Because they stop at the start. Where you realize that there was a network there already. Um, and so as a journalist over 20 years, built a, an audience, social media audience in the tens of thousands. And so it was just reaching out to all of them in any means possible. So However, how that changed was the network at the time was um, it was more sources. It was more sources. Um, it certainly was story subjects, but it was more sources um, or like uh, infor- uh, media information departments or, you know, things like that. And, um, and then smaller business owners as well. And ha- how it's evolved over the certainly over the last two years, certainly over the last five since starting Cruise Company, but definitely over the last two, is it's it's more the visionary founder running the company, and and that type of person, as opposed to um, you know a smaller business owner or um, an athlete or a musician. And so that's been an interesting um, evolution of the actual sourcing and network. It's the, still the same type of people, but it's a different type of audience. That makes sense. And you've done this in five years, which is incredible. Um, thank you. Um, there's, a, from a, there's a logical perspective why, which I know you will appreciate. Um, I think your audience will as well. Um, and, uh, I like looking at the logical aspects and learning about it. And then once I know the answer, then, okay, there's your answer. You do it. And when you talk to the top entrepreneurs on the planet, you know, dozens of times a week, then they give you the answers and then you do them. So what does that mean? Um, so most visionaries, most true visionaries, um, there are a couple tests or assessments, but one of them I'll talk about is Colby K O L B E. It's not the cheese. It's a Colby A index. And most visionaries are very high quick start, boom, 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 and then little to no follow through. So they're all over the place, endless ideas. If they don't hire 3 million people, nothing will get done. It's ADD, ADHD, diagnosed or undiagnosed. That's not a disorder. It's a sign of genius. It's just mislabeled, mislabeled by normal society. And so if they don't hire a million people, nothing's going to get done. So I am the very, 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 very rare entrepreneur who has high quick start, boom, 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 and high follow through. So high quick start and high follow through. Say it, do it. Say it, do it. Say it, do it. Say it, do it. Hit the gas, pump the brakes. Hit the gas, pump. It's it's very rare. My score eight six seven one Colby. I've never met another eight six seven one. I don't think I ever will. But that that so that's that. The other one which plays into this is the Gallup Clifton strength finders, Gallup uh, Clifton strength finders. Most visionaries, the people I talk to, they're very, there's 34 of them. They're very high in ideation and or futuristic. So they're often idea of future land. And then they have a mix of activator, maximizer, achievers. So they're often wherever that world is, but they'll do something about it in the present. Okay. So those are the ones that change the world and they'll do something about it now. My brain, my strength finders, there's 34 of these. I'm 32 out of 34 in ideation, almost dead last, uh, which is actually a strength, and then very low in futuristic. However, if I talk to an ideator and hear a great idea from them 
or someone who's living in the future, my top three are activate, maximize, achieve. So immediately simplify, oh, that's a great idea. Activate, maximize, achieve that. Oh, that's a terrible idea. Talk to someone who's destroyed their family or never had a family or anything meaningful in, in their life because of entrepreneur life. That's a bad idea. I'm going to activate, maximize, achieve not doing that. And that's why certainly the first company and the second company as well, they've grown so quickly because it's just talking to ideators who are providing almost every great and bad idea and then activate, maximizing, achieving those ideas and then the bad ones not doing them. I'm almost speechless. This doesn't happen. You know, I almost never lose my words, but that's amazing. It really is. And the fact that you had access to these people, that you immediately recognized mm. that you could build something using your network, your current network, and bring a lot of information to a world that needs it. It's amazing. Mm. Well, I appreciate appreciate, appreciate, appreciate. If you try, 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 try the pencil, which I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, or if you tried to see me tie my son's shoes, which it's really hard for me, or put on their bike helmet, um, <laughs> or my you're wife. You're breaking is, up real bad. Did you move oh, away? Oh, no, you're, I'm good. You're echoing good. a bit. Can you hear me now? Mm-hmm. I can hear you fine. Yeah, good. So if you if you saw me trying to put, you know, put my son's bike helmet on, which is a real struggle for me, or doing a puzzle tying their shoelaces, which is really hard for me, then you might think differently. But the key is that, um, uh, you know, I know what I'm really good at, which is only a few things, the purpose of my life, and then being a good dad and, and relatively decent husband. And, and I'm not really good at anything else. So I just stay in that. I activate, maximize, achieve, staying in that zone of genius. I don't believe that you're not good at other things. I just, I can't buy that. Sorry. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> not gonna um, happen. You can talk to my wife about that. Well, my wife taught me how to say thank you. And she's like, uh, hey, great, great day with your companies today. Don't forget to pick your kids up at school. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, you know, uh, you know, don't forget. And, and I'm so grateful for that. Like the first thing I do every day is a grateful journal to my wife. Because without her, um, not a good, not a good situation. Um, you know, our first date was the day before she started medical school. So if anything is comparable to entrepreneur life, it's going through medical school. And I always joke, uh, um, I'd be the worst pediatrician ever. Like, I'd be, I mean, there'd be so many lawsuits to get and then, and then she'd be the, my wife, Sarah would be the worst entrepreneur ever. Um, and yet she's, uh, you know, incredibly driven, very successful, um, very competitive. And then, um, and then I'm that way in this world. And uh, our local, a local magazine uh, just did a big uh, cover story on my, the whole family because our kids are very competitive, very successful, really sweet like my wife. And then the headline was perfect because it, the headline was the Breen family uh, colon, no excuses. And I thought that was the perfect headline for our family. Oh, I like that. Okay. Well, thank you for sharing that. And I'd like to hear more about her on it, you know, when we're doing our after call. Um, building a global network. We've talked about that a little bit. Uh, and this is another question. Just, you know, I tend to listen between the lines, if you will, but... Mm-hmm. Were you planning on building a global network, or were you just trying to replace your your now, you know, half work? I mean, you know, I'm stuttering again. Sorry about that. I mean, you had you're working full time at half pay, so you had to do something different. There was no question. But yeah. did you start out going heck with them? I'm going to build a global network, or mm. at the back of your mind, I've got a network. What can I do with it? Well, again. Um, I think you're either born someone like this or you're not. I, I, I mean, I don't think most people could reach out to 5,000 people while they're working full-time at half the salary. I mean, that's just, I mean, most people aren't meant to be entrepreneurs. They're just not, um, which is fine. Um, and because strength finders activate, maximize, achieve, um, for me, the only way to learn anything is by actually doing something, not overthinking it. 
um, just executing and then seeing what happens. So to answer your question, when I started first company, I had no, I mean, again, I still don't know what an S corp is. I didn't know you had to pay taxes four times a year. Like you don't get into journalism for that's not why, <laughs> that's not why you become a journalist for that stuff. So I had, had no idea what I was doing, but how things evolved, how things evolved is when you talk to top people on planet and they give you great ideas, then you, then you see, Oh, so that's what's actually going on. And so what does that mean? Um, my, my first book, you know, did very well. I'm very, it still does very well. I'm very grateful for that. It came out in 2020 and literally wrote in the book that what the PR firm Brepic is, was just a giant incubator of geniuses and we're constantly introducing each other for mutual gain. The byproduct is constantly receiving intros to companies around the world that want to hire my firm and then dovetailed that with, it's just a giant network. And, and again, the keyword there is network. So the newer company, which launched in 2022 is Brepic network. It's just technology for what the PR firm was already doing through media. It's connections for anything. So it was written in the book and then it just became what the second company was. So by writing that first book, literally wrote what the second company was, not knowing that it was actually a network, but that's how you learn and that's how things happen is by taking action, doing something about it, and then creating something from that. And when you're constantly creating and activating things, then all these other great things continue to happen. And that's very exciting for me because I have no idea what the next iteration will be. I mean, but I do know by continuing to take action and constantly pushing forward and connecting to cooler and cooler people every single day, that something great will happen from that because I've seen the last five years, five plus years, that's exactly what has happened and it will continue to happen that way. Well, you know, Napoleon Hill famously is the, I guess, the person who created the mind, not mindset, um, I just lost my mind again. How to get rich. To, like how to get rich. Not how to get rich, but masterminding. And that's what you're doing at a very large level. I like the way your questions are so direct and simple. Oh. Um, I don't, Even though I can't get them out, <laughs> I'm getting there eventually. Oh, well, I have no idea what's wrong with my brain today, but thank you for your patience. Your brain's working. It's working great. The um, you know, As a journalist for 20 years, and then you know, most of my days actually – um, listening to people. I don't really like to talk that much unless it's in this format. So the way I ask questions, it's very similar. Like, oh, here's the simplified, you know, here you go. Uh, <laughs> and then let the other person talk. Um, I think most people like to talk, which is fine. I actually prefer to listen. I think you're the same way as well. I would, I would guess that. Oh yeah. Um, very much. Yeah. So. Right. Um, and uh, does does this happen to you, by the way? Like every day someone tells me, um, every day, uh, maybe not on the weekends, um, but they're like, oh, I've never told anyone that before. I very rarely um, tell anyone that. Um, and this doesn't answer your question at all, but I think the, you know, I think it's because like if you really actively listen and actively try to care, um, then even if people the first time they meet you, they, they let their guard down. Um, and I really think that comes back to giving to give to the people who get it. And maybe even, you know, this is, this is how I learn in real time, by the way, maybe even listening to them is actually giving, if that makes sense. That, yeah. So that's something it I does. just learned. So thank you. Yeah. And I do the same thing. I mean, often, yeah, you know, as I told you in our pre-interview, I always do an after the show call and that's where some real magic happens, honestly. And I've had people say, I have never said that on a podcast. I can't believe I said And it's nothing bad, but it just kind of got yanked out of them without me even trying. Yeah. But like as I said earlier, I listen between the lines, which is not the proper term, but it works for me. <laughs> and I'm always, and people will tell me things that for some reason they know it's going nowhere else. So, yeah, you're right. And, you know, I'm, I'm very aware of that. 
So thank well, there's, you. There's, I'm, I'm surprised well, you welcome. picked that up. Thank you. Well, uh, when you when you interview thousands and thousands of people, and when I say people, I mean top performers, uh, you know, and then you 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 listen, right? You listen, and um, it's always funny because um, I, I'm very thankful for the books and company success, and so I do a lot of media myself, and then, but really I do it for. Um, because uh, media wants to interview the PR partners after that. So it's like a key that opens up endless doors, but it's always funny to me when hosts send me like questions, you, you didn't, but like a lot of folks, they send me all these prepared questions. I'm like, I'm not going to read these because it's always organic's always better. And then as a journalist interviewed, you know, thousands and thousands of people and never came prepared with any questions except only two. So the first one, which I always ask, is who are your parents or your grandparents, whatever that is. Um, because if you know where you come from, then you know where you are and you know where you're going. A lot of people never even think about where they come from, so it's hard to know where you are, and then it's really hard to know where you're going. So I know where I come from at a very, very, very high level. That allows me to know where I am. And, and then most importantly, know where I'm going. Okay, so that's good. Then the only other thing I ask only other thing is at the end of every interview, ask, is there something else you'd like to add, something that would be good for the story, something I'm missing? Because many times folks wanted to say something, they just couldn't. There was, there was no question that would have enabled them to answer it that way. So many times, not always certainly, but many times what they say at that last question becomes the lead of the story or the hook or the headline. Exactly. And, you know, when you said, who are your parents, that's such a Southern thing. Down here we say, Who's, how's your mom? How's your mom and them? It's a Cajun thing. I'm not Cajun, but I live in Cajun country. Mm. And when I, at first when I would hear that, I said, well, why do you want to know? But then, you know, after I was here for a while, I wasn't born here, but I've been here practically all my life. And after a while I went, oh, okay, I got you. But it took me a while. And it, like you, it took me a while to learn how to say thank you. <laughs> like, really? <laughs> it's just the things that you just don't know. And another thing, and I don't know if it's a southern thing or just a manners thing, but when somebody says, hey, how are you? You say, I'm well, thank you, and you. You give it right oh, back. You want to know how they're doing. It. Wow. See? <laughs> oh, the my things God. You learn. Okay. So, let, um, so why did I get excited about that? So, like the, um, I don't know. Well, uh, so the, uh, if something is said that's really like changes my brain and then I'll activate, maximize, achieve it, then that's what happens. It's like a ding. And so it's the same thing with like writing a story or talking to an ideator who's all over the place. I'm like, bad idea, bad idea, bad idea, bad idea. Oh, whoa, there's a good one. And then simplify that into a 500 story that media really cares about, general public wants to know about, and then, oh, here's your story, and then boom, boom, intro, 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 intro to media. Um, And that's how I connect people, too. It's the same, like, oh, you know, I can just hear some, I can talk to someone in Canada, and then they'll say something, and then I'm like, oh, I know someone in Australia that would, you know, it's a good match, and then a week later, they're like, how would you know how to do that? I go, I don't know. It just popped into my head. So, you know, I'm well, and you is like, that's what it, felt like it was like oh you actually care about the other person but I never would have learned that <laughs> that's that was the same reaction when my wife's like you know you have to you have to say thank you to someone I'm like uh, right. okay great. <laughs> thank you I, I had to that. learn the same thing I mean I was born and raised in the San Francisco Bay Area everybody's mm. in a hurry they're always busy they don't make eye contact you know I moved right. to the south and went holy geez <laughs> this is a it was culture shock like you have no idea but I learned some manners pretty quickly. <laughs> I, my uh, my wife and I, my uh, my partner for second company, Mark Fujiwara, uh, he lives in the San Francisco area, and then we're in Chicago. We've met uh, two times in person, and the the second time was um, um, when my wife and I, uh, Sarah, went to visit Mark and his wife Amy uh, about a month and a half ago, and. Um, and the reason I'm mentioning this is like, in, especially in San Francisco now, you got to be very careful who you make eye contact with in downtown. Uh, downtown San Francisco is, um, that was an interesting place. You saw extreme wealth, extreme wealth, and then extreme poverty. I mean, we live in Chicago. There are definitely homeless issues here um, in, in downtown Chicago. Nothing compared to San Francisco. I have no, never it's, seen it's a terrible anything city. like that. 
I won't go back. My family's still there. I don't. When I go there, I will actually fly into Reno and drive mm. down. I will avoid San Francisco with every mm. fiber of my being. It's terrible. It's too bad because it's so beautiful. And, um, it is, you know, they have but if problems. you don't mind stepping in poop. <laughs> right. We did see a lot of that, too. <laughs> and I feel the same way about New Orleans. You know, New Orleans is a mess right now. And right now, it's it's not it's 100 miles away from me. It's the murder capital of, of this country. It's just horrifying. It really is. Okay, let's get away from Let's get away from this sad stuff. So you mentioned, and I'm glad I could help you with, with uh, you know, how I'm fine, how are you? You know, that's, it really does make an, a difference. And once I realized that I had to, instead of just saying, oh, I'm good or I'm fine and then just moving on, I didn't realize how incredibly rude I was being and dismissive. <laughs> right. Right? <laughs> Well, it takes it, – I'm only laughing because, like, um, you know, if you're – I would say most people – I please take this the right way. I would say most people have better um, social understanding than you and I have. And that's the case with mo- most top entrepreneurs. They're very low in empathy. They act like they have high empathy, and sympathy is different than empathy, by the way. So on the strength really? finders, oh god, yeah, because that's why you're running a massive global company because you can't, you don't understand why people are making excuses. But mm-hmm. um, so the, the strength finders, uh, there's thirty, there's thirty four. I'm dead last in empathy, dead last, and second to last in includer. However, there's a there's a caveat to that. For top entrepreneurs, I have endless empathy, endless. Like I I, I feel. Like, I can't even tell you, like, when an entrepreneur is going through something really difficult, I, like, I almost start crying because I get so, uh, it's like, affects me. But someone just making an excuse or looking at things as cost, I'm like, I don't understand what you're talking about. Why are you complaining? Just do it. So what happens yeah, I'm there with you. I like to think I I'm, I'm, have a certain amount of empathy. But if you are going to, let's just pick something out of the air. You've been ordered by the court to take drugs because you've got mental illness. You're not going to take the drugs, so you're going to constantly wind up in jail and wind up in trouble. Yeah. I've got no empathy for you at all. Right. I'm sorry. So None. you're probably so right. So I could tell that. And again, that's not. I mean, that's just how it is. So this is not a trick, but this is what has happened in my life. Is uh, I found collaborative empathy. So my wife, who's a pediatrician, she's probably, if she would take the strength finder, she's probably either empathy one or competition one, which is very interesting. She's very competitive, but incredibly empathetic. She's probably included second or third. And then partner, Mark Fujiwara, he is competition one, maximizer two. So he'll, he's going to win big at the highest level. He's empathy three. And I mean, which is, I can't tell you how rare that is for a, you know, for a top performing entrepreneur, um, because you know most top entrepreneurs, you you wouldn't un- understand why someone wouldn't want to become a top entrepreneur. Like, why wouldn't you want to? Because I know. Most don't, but right, but most people don't want to. What's wrong with you? Yeah. So you right. might, and I'm serious about this. You might be dead last in empathy. Also, you might be because, oh, and it's not a bad now thing. Now you just it's, ruined my day. I have to go sit in the corner and think about it. No, I don't. I well, so one, I certainly wasn't trying to do that, but like, no, no, no. You are. I'm going to go take those tests because it's been a long time since I've done it, and it's time because you know we change, we grow, we change, we evolve. I need to see where I'm at. It's kind of like with your IQ. My father, who was not a nice man, it's 145. Yeah, I can. But it was the last time I checked it. But I can help with that, by the way. Oh, you can. I have an answer because I know the I have the pattern. So, um, so 140 and above is genius. So that's one yeah. percent of the population. But only part yeah. of the day. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. We do stupid and, stuff too. Oh well. So here's the answer. So, um, so I talk to a lot of 140 and above. I talk to a lot of one 160, 180s. Um, when you get really far above 140, it's hard to be human in any capacity um, because you're so smart. Uh, um, and so my IQ is 139. 
And I'm actually glad about that because it literally is a bridge between geniuses and humans. That's what it, that's what it is. It's one point below true genius, but so can understand, understand and keep up and then actually simplify it for humans. That's literally yeah. uh, most people I talk to don't know their IQ, but I'm like, you're definitely over 140. I mean, I knew you were over 140. Um, I would have guessed you, you, you quick started it and you guessed, but I would have, I would have guessed around 145 for sure. Oh, thank you. My father, who was not a pleasant man, his, his was 142 and he was so proud of that. And I got about a belly full of him one day, and I just, he said, well, what's your IQ? And I hit him right in the nose with 145. He didn't talk to me for about a year, which wow. was fine with me. I, he just, difficult guy. He's no longer with us, but just a difficult person. But I literally, and I was able to answer that because I was telling this to my neighbor who was a psychologist. She said, well, come on down to the house. We'll test you right now. And I went, ha, there it is. I knew I was somewhat intelligent. I just didn't know what the number was. Well, uh, so there's many things from that. Again, I I hear this, and then here's the answer. So um, uh, top entrepreneurs, I've seen four things from them, four things. So one, uh, ADHD, um, two, um, Asperger's, minor Asperger's. My wife has unofficially diagnosed me with that, uh, officially, unofficially, minor Asperger's. Three is dyslexia. 30% of top-performing entrepreneurs have dyslexia, which is very interesting. And then four is incredibly high IQ. So not necessarily book smarts or school smarts. Um, no one, people I talk to, they never bring up where they went to school or the degree they got. But, but um most of them actually don't know their IQ. You're the exception to that. However, I can, you know, you can tell when someone's over 140. I could tell right away. Okay, here's the other thing, and thank you for telling me about your dad. So this is what separates entrepreneurs from humans, uh, business owners, consultants, whatever that world is. Um, so I have not met one top entrepreneur that has not overcome at least one of the following four things. Most are two or three, and then higher up on the totem pole, it's all a lot of all fours. So the four things are bankruptcy or potential bankruptcy, two, depression, three, the highest level of anxiety that you can imagine, and four, likely and or possible traumatic experiences as a child or young adult. So humans, business owners, consultants, uh, those are excuses. Entrepreneur at the highest level, eh, figure it out, figure it out. Okay, so that's the second thing. Third thing. Very sorry to hear about your dad. Um, very sorry to hear about that. Well, My, you know, I learned a lot from him. I learned a lot of what not to be. So I'm well, grateful for okay. that. That's a fa Okay, so you activated Maximize Achieve not being like him. My mm -hmm. father is the opposite for me, meaning my father was 61 when I was born. Um, he was a World War II hero, shot down multiple times in combat, uh, many times without a parachute, got back in the plane. And the chapter for the new book, first chapter for the new book is The Cream Rises to the Top, which is something my dad said every day. He died when I was 13. But so my firm partners with The Cream That Rises to the Top are those that will get back in the plane without a parachute to get to that level and no exceptions. And my dad was a wonderful dad. He had survived anything you could possibly imagine. Um, he kept a diary from his uh fighting in the Battle of the Hurricane Forest towards the end of World War II. And that diary is one of the best things ever written. I mean, it just is. Um, there's some excerpts from it in, in, in my new book. And, um, and that's, that's my litmus test. It's like, are you someone like my dad or are you someone who's going to make an excuse? And if you're not someone like my dad, then, you know, that's, that's fine. But yeah, I don't have time for you. I'm but, the same way. And I wanted to ask you, and thank you for sharing that about your dad. That's, that's a lovely story. Um, you know, you're talking about the different things that, you know, top entrepreneurs, and I'm not a top entrepreneur yet, but here's one of the questions that keeps popping into my head while you're describing them. And, you know, you you nailed me on one, you nailed me on another one in a different mm -hmm. topic. I got them. <laughs> but here's the thing. I am a high, highly committed introvert, highly committed. And, you know, <laughs> Sometimes I think it's because I really am part alien. <laughs> There's a, a thing going around. I, you know, I'm A positive, yeah. and I'm RH. I'm sorry, I'm A negative, and I'm RH negative. And there's this big thing going on on the internet that people with that blood type are, you know, born from aliens. Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, I'll right. buy that. But but the thing is, 
I live in my own head. It's not that I don't like people. I do. You can tell by, you know, this podcast, I like people and I like to meet them and I like to, mostly I want to learn from them. But I can only be around people unless they're very close friends for about 59 and three quarter minutes. That's it. I'm gone. (laughs) I've timed it. (laughs) So my question is, how many of these people that you work with have introversion in their patterns? Or any? Yep, that's a great question. I would describe most of them as ambiverts. Um, so for those who don't know um, what that is, um, so there's extroverts, you know, social with everyone, uh, life of the party. Uh, that is definitely not you, definitely not me. Um, no, they wear me out. I can oh, stop exactly. them and I run. Yeah, yeah, get away from me. Get away. So. Then there's the true introverts, like live in a cave, um, never see that person. Uh, okay, I'm or, not that bad. Right. You're not, okay, <laughs> I feel then better. There's the, then there's the ambiverts. So, uh, again, like if there's no actionable or answer, then there's no point in talking. So just describing myself here, um, if you put me around regular people, again, that's not a bad thing, but just regular people talking about regular things, you can put a lampshade on my head. Uh, and then turn off the light switch, and then I'll sit in the corner. If you put me around top entrepreneurs, um, um, endless, yeah, biggest extrovert, biggest yeah. extrovert, yeah. That's I'm an ambivert. I'm listening. I'm making mental notes. I'm asking questions. I'm trying not to get in the way, but I am listening, and I'm absorbing everything I can. And I can stay well, on yeah. for that. But if it's just... Like you say, you know, regular people, and I mean, I run into them all the time, and they're lovely people, but after a while, I've got to go. I've got to go think about something important, which sounds terrible, and I know it does, well, but that's just how my brain works. Well, again, so um, society is not, you know, it wasn't built for people like us. It wasn't, you know, and that's fine. I will say what is really interesting because you ask the people I uh, I talk to like if they're am, you know introverts or extroverts I'd say most of them are ambiverts. The other commonality that I see, and there certainly are exceptions to this, there are definitely exceptions, but usually people like us usually marry stabilizing humans, usually. And so I, I always tried that. People, that didn't work either. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm done. Okay, well, <laughs> you tried that though. again. You tried. The um, um, there are, certainly are exceptions, but like um, so like my wife's a pediatrician. I always ask people like, so is your spouse a, a nurse or a social worker or like a kindergarten teacher or an engineer? And most of the time, they're like, well, how'd you know that? I go, well, imagine marrying yourself. That wouldn't be. It does happen, but there needs to be some stability. I mean, I guess there doesn't, but for the most part, it really evens itself out. Um, what's interesting about my wife is not only she, is she a stabilizing human, but she's incredibly competitive and very successful in her own right. And there's like a mutual, there's a mutual respect, um, a mutual respect there. Um, and that's why... And and our prior like we're totally different human beings in terms of empathy and stuff, but our our priorities are exactly the same. Like family is a hundred percent first, which she's taught me that by the way. But it's definitely family first for sure. Right. So you learn from each other. I don't know what she's learned from me, other than she takes more <laughs> chances in life. Um, people meet my wife and they get very confused because like she's you know. She's really smart and she's really pretty and like really nice and you know <laughs> I'm just like, <laughs> you know you're very testing, I hope <laughs> you're not about really to pick funny. on yourself because I'm not going to let you not on the okay, radio. Thanks. Well, we, okay. you know, I, you know, with the companies, I throw like all these parties and stuff, and <laughs> and I don't really like doing that because like you know it's it is exhausting, but like she's really likes it because, you know, you know, she's, she's likes that kind of stuff and, you know, wears nice clothes. <laughs> just, you know, okay. I'm not going to, I'm not going to self-deprecate, but it's like, it's just funny because um, it just works. It really works. And I'm just so grateful for it every single day because um, again, I talk, talk to one to two people like us every single week that have let this life destroy anything meaningful. 
and I just don't oh. I don't understand it. Yeah, you have mentioned that before. Can you give us some examples? I mean, no names, obviously, but oh, give yeah. us a couple okay. of examples, if you would. Okay, sure. So um, I talked to um, – how do I do this without – okay, so he's an incredibly successful entrepreneur, created a huge nonprofit. When, and when people lead with um, <clears throat> all that kind of stuff, uh, you know, got, you know, angel investing. All, and, I, and I always ask how your family is or how your relationships. And so this guy's like, oh, by the way, he, did not, he had not married a stabilizing human. He had married uh, someone similar to him. And so he's going through a horrible divorce. His, uh, his I guess, ex-wife and his kids live uh, in Asia. He's in um, the United States. He never sees his children and so he has he has all this stuff, but he doesn't he doesn't have anything. He doesn't have anything. And I was talking to another um, female entrepreneur, female entrepreneur who took over a company from her dad. Um, and she was telling me how great the company is, and how many uh, how many uh, hours a week she's working, and all the the progress. And I'm like, well, how's your family? And or how's you know how you relate? She's like, oh, I don't I don't have a family. I have no relationships. Uh, have no time for dating. And this was that was pre-COVID, so it was in a real room, and you could you can see you can see it. You can see the hurt. You can feel it. You can hear it. You can certainly feel it and hear it now. And I would just never let. I would never let this life destroyed my family. I would just never let that happen. Um, because when you hear that one to two times a week, um, it's, you know, those are the most miserable people I know. They have all this stuff. They have all this, I guess, quote unquote wealth, but they really don't have anything. They really, I mean, that's why I wrote the second book. Cause it's like, you right. can do this and not torture family or have, you can actually do both. In fact, they're collaborative as we started the interview with. How are you helping them? I mean, I'm, clutching my heart are you able to help them i mean you said that she could you could hear it that you know the pain is there for both of them i guess and i would think you know those are terrible stories and do they have to kind of walk it all back and say hey Mm. i've got everything i will ever need i've got enough for four lifetimes now i need to do add me into it a little bit (laughs) a little bit if that's what's going to happen but I mean, obviously, you don't want to just quit and go off and, you know, hang around with Sherpas and Yetis and whatever they have. I don't know. You know <laughs> I don't know. Do I wouldn't it. do that. The, um, no, but are they able to say, okay, I need to bring me back into the game? So here, this is what I hear. One, I think if I believe so strongly in this message. That's why I'm, you know, all in on it. And, you know, the formula for creating a successful global company is very simple. It's you see a problem, create solution, problem solve successful global companies. So it's the same thing with this. As you see a problem, you talk to entrepreneurs, let this life destroy their family life or never had a family. That's a problem. Create a solution. Here's the book, problem solve successful global companies. So I strongly believe in that formula for this. The other thing I always hear is, um, you know, I'm in you know, these top entrepreneur groups and, then, you know, there's updates like, oh, you know, I'm expanding across the country or, hey, just made a big sale or just added my 100th employee. And then people always ask me, so what are you up to? I'm like, oh, I just took my kids on a uh, <laughs> a baseball trip around the Midwest or, hey, I just became the assistant coach of my uh, son's flag football team. And it, it's like you talk about an alien look. I get these weird looks. However, what always happens or seems to always happen is the response is, wow, you're doing that right. You're doing things right. And I think just making that even aware is the first, is the first step for that is like, Oh, wait a minute. You don't have to, you don't have to ruin anything meaningful in your life for this. And then just continuing to talk about it. And I really think to, you know, really double triple down on that is the happier the entrepreneur is the happier the company will be, the happier the employees will be, the more progress, um, the more progress it can, you know, it can make. And, right. And yeah, the more creative, so you know, creativity comes to light. I mean, you can't 100%. be creative when you're wretched. I've tried it. It doesn't work. Well, one of the chapters in the new book is you can't create when you're chasing time. So you got these people doing all this stuff that doesn't really matter. They think it does, but it doesn't. So they can't really create anything. 
And then again, here, this is what entrepreneurs are. This is what they are. Okay. The entrepreneurs are the most damaged people with the best coping skills. So that means very high IQ. I mean, the difference between top entrepreneur and someone who might be in prison is the IQ, like the intelligence. Yeah. Coping skills. That's what it is. Gotcha. And however, those coping skills are used to create, you know, big company, massive wealth, all this stuff. And then definitely not always, but many times at the expense of anything meaningful. And that's just sad to me. Yeah, you're breaking my heart. Seriously, I'm not being facetious at all. Well, now your empathy is kicking in. That's what I mean. You have empathy. I do have some. I think I do. Here's the thing, Justin. I wanted to ask you because you're talking about these people and, you know, they're saying, oh, you know, Justin, you're doing it right. Do they not understand or recognize that every moment of every breathing time that we've got is an opportunity to make really good memories? What what good memories do they have would be my question. Well, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> that's a very good question. Um, and, again, talk is meaningless to me without an answer, um, Last year, 2021, great year. This year's been a great year. And I was thinking last year, at the end of last year, what I was like the best part of last year. And like last year was a great year. And then I'll do the same this year as well. But actually, I could do it now. But last year, the best part by far, all these great things happened. The best part, my family and I were driving around listening to Christmas songs, looking at Christmas lights in, in the neighborhood. That was by far the best there wasn't even a close second, and all these amazing things happened with companies. And this year, I, well, thanks for getting me to think about this, but by far the best time, by far, was taking my sons on this baseball trip around the Midwest where we went to five games in five days. There was not even a close, not even a close second. And again, putting family first and partnering with a certain type of people, it allows me to do those kind of things, create, as you said, memories, because I'm not chasing time. Exactly. And I think that's so important. I mean, what you're doing is, as a parent is brilliant. A lot of us don't have that. We just don't. Or if we did have, you know, truly caring, empathetic, you know, showing up parents, we didn't have the money for anything. But you still have those those memories. One of my favorite memories, honestly, is whenever I I smell fresh lawn lawn, lawn, I'm right back in, you know, a good part of my childhood. It just smells so good. And it's a time when, you know, I wasn't miserable. I didn't have a terrific childhood. I guess you figured that out. It oh, I can horrible, yeah, I, right. But it wasn't great. Am I mad about it? Heck no. It's who I am. But sometimes just the smell of something or, you know, batter up or whatever it is that you've got those memories and you created the business that allows those memories to happen, which is brilliant. Thank you. Oh, my gosh, we've only got about two minutes left. You know, I told you, remember, I told you it's the quickest 60 minutes on the Internet. I wasn't kidding. Before I let you go, what else do you want to share with the audience? Because you've shared a lot. But, you know, what do you want to, you know, maybe tell them that I didn't ask or we didn't have an opportunity to talk about? Um, Thanks. Um, It's a simple formula. Um, And then your litmus test for the people you serve, so... Uh, sort of visionaries who live in abundance and who look at things as investments, not cost. So I'm a visionary who lives in abundance and looks at things as investments, not cost. So keep making investments, uh, bigger investments in smaller rooms, uh, you know, top entrepreneur groups in the world, but the people in those rooms are making bigger impact. So that allows me to spend biggest investment in smallest room, my family, where I can make most impact. So writing bigger checks to be in small rooms, people in those rooms are making bigger impact, allows me to spend more time with my family and where I can make biggest investment, smallest room, most impact. And you've shared an awful lot of truly amazing information with us, but investment I think is a key word for me because you know yeah. if you're going to say, well, what is this going to cost me? You're already <laughs> backing out of the room. See you later. You're not, you're not there. No, that's a business yeah. owner. That's not an entrepreneur. Mm, exactly, exactly. You've got to find a way to make it happen. Okay, so Justin, where can people find you? Where can they find your books? Oh, thank you. It's funny because we never talk about this, which I always I appreciate that actually. But um, certainly, Justin Breen on LinkedIn, and then the company's called Brepic. So BrepicLLC.com has everything you need. 
Okay, and give us the titles of those books one more time. <laughs> right. Epic Life is the new one. Um, that was on the Wall Street Journal bestseller list, number one overall on Amazon Kindle. And then the first one is Epic Business. So Epic Life, Epic Business, pretty simple. Perfect. Justin, thank you so much. It's been really, really interesting, and it's been wonderful speaking with you. And I'm going to have to go take those tests now because I need to know. <laughs> so that's next on my Send me the results. To do today. I, I will. I'll that. let you know. If I find out that you know I'm basically something that I didn't think I was, it's, I need to know. So anyway, I'll let you. Yeah, definitely let you know. So it's been wonderful chatting with you, and thank you for all the terrific tips and the case studies and the advice that you shared with our audience. And before we say goodbye, I would like to remind our audience to be sure to look for us in iTunes, Audible, Spotify, really anywhere else you consume your business podcast. The truth is you can't throw a stick on the Internet without hitting your partner in Success Radio. So look for us, find us, take us along on your success journey, and look for Justin Breen. Thank you, Justin. You're welcome. Get your voice heard. If you would like to launch your own far-reaching podcast, contact Denise Griffiths at yourofficeontheweb.com and go to the podcast tab.